When it comes to issues of international trade, President Biden has a lot on his plate. How fast can he get to them? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. There's no question about what President Biden has to tackle first, the COVID-19 pandemic and the terrible state of the U.S. economy. At the same time, he can't afford to put geopolitical issues, especially those related to trade, on the back burner. There's a pressing need for the U.S. to quickly affirm trade and diplomatic ties with its traditional allies, as well as confront China on multiple issues. Today, I'm speaking with Mike Clagey, Solutions Director with TOC Logistics International. We'll cover some of the key points of U.S. trade relations that are confronting the Biden administration today, including human rights in Hong Kong and the rest of China, the state of the World Trade Organization, and the decision on whether to join multilateral trade agreements, and the larger question of the future of globalization. Here's my conversation with Mike Clagey. Mike Clagey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So we're looking at trade issues and priorities of the Biden administration in the first 100 days. And I think we can all agree that probably priority number one is getting control of COVID-19 and getting the economy back on track. But I'm sure that the new incoming president will also have some big priorities with regard to trade issues. I want to run those down with you now. I understand there are several that you consider to be of particular importance, starting with the Section 301 duties imposed on imports from China. What do you think is going to happen in terms of our relationships with China under a Biden administration? Well, as you mentioned, Bob, the first 100 days are largely going to be focused domestically with COVID-19 and vaccine distribution and things like that. But foreign policy doesn't patiently wait and there are quite a few matters that are going to require some urgent attention with the China 301 duties and the whole China relationship in general. We've got a situation just this morning that happened with Hong Kong, I'm sure you saw, with the roundups and arrests in, of the activists in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And that really is going to put this front and center right on day one. Biden's not going to have any time to wait regarding the China relationship because this was definitely a move that was not coincidental timing-wise. And we have a complicated trading relationship with China. There's a lot going on there. Anti-dumping and countervailing duty cases, the Muslim Uyghur situation, the Hong Kong situation, everything, all of that adds up, not to mention the general trade topics and the trade war that we're in the middle of. So what will Biden do? The nomination of Catherine Tai, she's known to be tough on China. I think that indicates the new administration is not going to be soft on China. Also, Anthony Blinken, the Biden's nominee for Secretary of State, has also tweeted support this morning already on the Hong Kong situation. Will they ignore another assault on democracy in Hong Kong or will they immediately engage and put their money where their mouth is? I can't say for certain, but all signs point towards a hard line there. Either way, I would imagine that we would not expect to see an immediate or early removal of 
the tariffs that were put on Chinese imports by the Trump administration. Unlikely. They've publicly stated that the duties would remain in place and he would be using that as a bargaining tool uh, with China. So in a lot of ways, while Biden would have been unlikely to implement them himself, that might be Trump's biggest gift to Biden when it comes to China trade negotiations, because now he can use those. Also, the issue of intellectual property protection has been brought to the fore. It was uh, not particularly there in years past, and I would imagine that that will continue to be a big sticking point, right? Absolutely. That is actually what started the trade war in the first place. It's easy to forget that because the war has taken center stage. But the whole point in the very beginning was intellectual property and related topics. Well, let's turn our attention to Europe for a moment, as well as the World Trade Organization. And I'm wondering how you see that playing out under a Biden administration. Not necessarily that the Biden administration would have any control over that, but I'm wondering during the next administration, what might we see in terms of the WTO, which has really kind of lost some of its teeth and its ability to judge disputes between trading partners. Do you see the WTO getting its mojo back, so to speak, or will it continue to lose influence in the years ahead? Well, EU and WTO relations are going to certainly be a priority for the Biden administration as they seek to restore the transatlantic alliances that Trump has not exactly nurtured the past four years. The WTO is where the U.S. and EU has been battling all four years most notably under the current administration, the retaliatory duties imposed by the U.S. and EU upon one another with Mm -hmm. the issues with the airline manufacturer subsidies. That's also spiraled into a bit of a trade war itself. You mentioned they've lost some of their teeth. The situation there is Trump has intentionally taken away the ability for the WTO to enforce any rulings. That basically has allowed that trade war and has allowed the countries to the U.S. and the EU to apply these retaliatory tariffs back and forth at will. Well, bottom line, can the WTO be saved? Well, Biden is a multilateralist. There's no secrets about that. The primary friction point are the beats over the Boeing Airbus subsidies, which has spiraled into a trade war of its own. And under the current administration, Well, this goes back to the Bush era originally when the first complaints were filed on the airline situation. However, the Trump administration has taken it to another level. And with Biden, I believe that he will probably try to bring back the appellate body by uh, making appointments and uh, try to put that uh, dispute resolution mechanism back in place so that there can be determinative resolutions to disputes between nations. You think America has that power to do that, that Biden would be able to do that? He'll certainly try. But as you say, multilateral might be the way that Biden wants to go, but there are also bilateral trade agreements to be addressed, including one with a post-Brexit UK. I'm assuming that that would be high on the priority of his agenda. Yes. A lot of that deal, from what I understand, has largely been worked out with the Trump administration, and that would be the foundation for a deal with the Biden administration. When asked about that, he has been explicit that there will be no trade deals with anyone until he gets domestic affairs in order. So what that means from a timing perspective is anyone's guess, Mm -hmm. but he's 
definitely made statements that cool that a little bit and put that a little further into the future, possibly. But a lot of the big parts of the puzzle are already in place there. As you point out, though, international trade issues kind of march on with or without us. And one of the things that's marching on, to go back to Asia for a moment, is RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership involving Asian Pacific nations and most notably China as well. That agreement seems like it might pose a challenge to U.S. interest and influence in Asia. What do you think about it? And then vis-a-vis that, the United States possibly rejoining the Trans-Pacific Partnership is an answer to that. Yes, absolutely. And China's participation in RCEP definitely is something we should be concerned with because at this point we're on the outside looking in and that flies in the face of Biden's multilateral approach. Without membership in either, it'll be interesting to see how he handles this. As you say, he could attempt to rejoin the now CPTPP, but that would be politically untenable without significant revisions to that agreement, especially in areas of labor and environmental concerns. He could try to push the USMCA standards into that deal or something similar, but that would probably be a tough sell for the current members. So it may be that the U.S. has missed the boat on the TPP side, and Biden will need to look for other ways to pursue American interests in Asia Pacific. So simply announcing, hey, we want to be part of this party after all, it isn't that easy, right? It's never that easy, as much as he would like it to be, but he has to balance the political climate here as well, which has changed since the end of the Obama administration. Also kind of a side issue, but certainly an important one, is the possibility of reshoring of a lot of U.S. manufacturing capability from China and maybe Asia as well to this hemisphere, maybe back here, maybe Mexico. Are you seeing any real movement in that area? And do you think that might have an influence on U.S. trade policy if more manufacturing comes back to to this part of the world? It could. And with the Biden administration's goals of resourcing, uh, using government procurement practices to boost American investment in manufacturing and related topics that could have an effect. None of that happens overnight. I feel right now there's a lot more talk of reshoring than there is actual reshoring. These supply chains don't get reworked overnight. Mm -hmm. We work a lot in the automotive industry and when you look at the vehicle production cycles and globally sourced parts, you almost, in a lot of cases, have to wait until model changeovers and things like that to resource. Even if you try to do it in the middle of a production cycle, you're still looking at that that can easily take over a year to make any type of major shift of location of production. You know, Mike, for years we were told by everybody who claimed to be an expert in this area that the march toward globalization was inevitable, thereby fostering the need for all of these trade agreements and things that we're talking about here today. And yet it does seem like in the last few years, public sentiment and politician sentiment against globalization has increased for any number of reasons, whether it has to do with unfair labor standards, environmental standards, the need to manufacture domestically. So what do you think? I mean, I know it's not an easy question to answer, if even possible to answer. Do you think we may be seeing a U-turn in this whole progress toward globalization? And how might that affect trade policy? I would agree there's a U-turn on sentiment. 
people want to have things be more local and more regional and more national. I think we also have to look at how people vote with their dollars. If a cell phone costs $3,000 that's made in America, (laughs) how many people are going to buy it? Look at the record imports coming from China right now. We have the ocean container industry and the air industry that are at record levels, both of the cost of transportation, but also the volumes. And when you put that in perspective, it makes you wonder, are Americans going to vote with their dollars in a way that makes meaningful change in that? I mean, there's always the question of to what extent it also extends to environmental policies and human rights policies. To what extent do consumers actually care versus wanting the right to buy cheap goods? We're seeing some increase in awareness on that front, but I don't know. Do you think that if this is going to become a big issue for companies, that they're going to be forced to clean up their act environmentally, labor standard-wise, in terms of where they produce, because consumers will step up and say, hey, we're not going to buy your product. We're willing to pay more if you make these changes. Do you think we're seeing a movement in that direction? I think a lot of people would maybe be willing to pay marginally more when it comes to environmental and human rights practices. A lot of that comes into the visibility and the knowledge. And a lot of people just don't know. It's very hard to know. You have to do a lot of work and a lot of research to know whether the t-shirt you bought was made with forced labor or child labor. Understanding the environmental aspects of the manufacturing process and the supply chain for what you're buying, there's not great visibility to that, especially at the consumer level. So unless people are doing an extensive amount of research And the people who are doing that research are the people who really care. The average person, I do believe, genuinely cares, but not necessarily enough to do the hard work, to do the research, to understand what's upstream in the supply chain. We're hearing that technology might play a role in reducing the need for that hard work in terms of increased visibility into end-to-end supply chains and more specifically with the use of blockchain. Do you see technology solutions as playing a role here? Absolutely. Technology is changing everything. Look at the way that the entire globe has gone to a remote work environment in a matter of weeks. That couldn't have happened 10 years ago, and it would have been incredibly difficult five years ago. And we've shown as a world that we can work remotely because of technology, and the world keeps moving when people aren't in offices. And I think that you can apply the same concept here as the technology gets better and better, there's an app for that. (laughs) Someone's going to make an app that is going to allow you to scan a barcode and see what factory it was made in and what the conditions are there and have a rating scale for it. Maybe there already is an app for that that I'm not aware of. But the point is, is yes, I think technology will play a huge role in that and make things easier. But those things aren't fully out there in the market in common use yet. So many issues to consider. Mike Clegg, I want to thank you so much for helping us to understand what some of the big issues out there are, what will the big priorities of the Biden administration will be going forward, and where we might be going just generally with this whole idea of globalization and world trade in the years ahead. Thank you very much for being with me today. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much for your time. That was my conversation with Mike Clagy of TOC Logistics International, talking about the big trade issues confronting the Biden administration. 
We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well, and see you next time.